This is George Newbern, the voice of Superman. This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman. And you're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming at DCAUReview.com and on your favorite podcast app. Destroy Superman and the Justice League. Oh, help us. Don't worry about me. Stop them. I always do. Here's the plan. What plan? We kick their butts, right? Let's get this over with. I'm going to destroy this. Too much curiosity can be dangerous. Maybe I like danger. We've got to stop it before it's too late. Stay down. Give me strength. Let's move. Justice League. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 158 of the DCAU Review. I am one of your two hosts, Cal, with me, my good friend, good brother, and the gentleman that runs our Twitter page. That's right, it's Liam. Liam, welcome to another week here at the DCAU Review, and as we continue along here in our magic month, our month of magic, Magic May... We are excited to do another episode today. That's right, and uh, for the first time in a little while, we are back in the pre-unlimited days of the Justice League, as we have returned to the original series, and we've got two episodes to talk about with a, a two-parter here, The Terror Beyond, parts one and two. That's right. Uh, so The Terror Beyond, of course, uh, here originally debuted on the Cartoon Network back on November the 15th, 2003. So that means we just are coming up on the 18-year anniversary of this episode debuting. Uh, so excited to do that. And Liam, as we do that, let's uh, let's get the official non-sponsored segment not sponsored by the imdb.com but could be uh <laughs> that's right the official imdb synopsis for this week's episode that's right and we have two because it's a two-part episode this week and those synopses read as such solomon grundy attacks a harbor after the military has him contained aquaman arrives and steals grundy when the League finds out Aquaman is involved, they head to Dr. Fate to get some answers. And the synopsis for part two. Fate and Aquaman wanted to sacrifice Grundy to prevent the return of a mystic being. The being has arrived. Aquaman leaves to protect Atlantis. Hawkgirl finds out the being had visited her homeworld long ago. All right, that second one was straight trash. I'm not going to lie. Both, first of all, you're, mis you're mixing president past tenses. That's a big no-no in writing. You pick one and stick with it. That's right. Second of all, there's like, I don't even know if some of those were sentences. <laughs> there's a lot of run-ons happening. Yes. Definitely, yeah, that was definitely not their finest work. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. Not, not, not the best work, but we got two of them, and... For the most part, I guess the body of what uh, what what I just uh, spewed out at you, at the uh, the fine listeners here is 
in fact, uh, what we can get into with our plot here. We have we open with Grundy being attacked by the military. Aquaman shows up on a big dragon to save his life. He's finished. Get the cage. or so of the first episode it's a lot of uh, aquaman and dr fate dr fate meets grundy they reveal grundy's origins we find out it is pretty accurate to the comics where he was this uh strain this sort of uh you know classic like 1940s mobster called cyrus gold who eventually is is murdered and and cursed and thrown into a mystical swamp they ended your life cursed you with a powerful greek ray dumped your remains in a swamp redolent with mystical properties of its own. These magics did not sit well together. And so it was that decades later, the swamp gave birth to a walking dead man, soulless and empty, always seeking Never knowing why. Grundy remembers. He meets our needs. Then we should begin immediately. The future of Atlantis is my only concern. No. Grundy wants something. We're already agreed. You help us, I give you the gold. Grundy not want gold. Grundy wants what men took from him. Their curse removed your soul. Grundy wants it back. Will magician help? I will do everything I can. If you help Grundy, Grundy will help you. Where, in fact, he is reborn years later as as Solomon Grundy, this sort of zombie, Hulk-like creature, and and uh, and from there we we understand that that Grundy wants wants his soul back. There's a there's a mention there that the curse took his soul from him and. So instead of riches or, or whatever else Grundy would normally ask for as payment, he decides he wants Dr. Fate and Aquaman to help him find his soul back. And that's kind of the theme that runs through the rest of uh, part one and certainly uh, to the end of part two there is Grundy is... We, we humanize Grundy in a way that we have not to this point in the series where he's only either been a monster for Superman to punch... Or sort of maybe maybe comic relief a little bit too because he's you know he's a big dumb big dumb guy he has a lot of funny lines in say Injustice for All or or some of his other appearances so this was a really interesting tactic to take this character and really kind of make him the the heart of the episode and it's it's done very very effectively uh, as we'll kind of see throughout the episode but yes that is the that is the crux of the episode there, and uh, it's interesting because the majority of the, I would say, first part's conflict comes from the fact that 
uh, Aquaman couldn't leave Superman a note or or <laughs> or just briefly just very quickly explain what's going on. I think there's even a there's even a line that uh, he says uh, later on, I think in part two, where Superman finally demands to know what is happening because uh, it's Superman and Wonder Woman and Hawkgirl, as the uh, synopsis so gently put, that are together trying to figure out what's going on and where these giant creatures are coming from that are attacking cruise ships in the middle of the harbor and uh what exactly is is happening in this scenario and uh they at first believe that aquaman maybe has something to do with it he's being very cagey mira is even less uh forthcoming with the details <laughs> Uh, seriously, if she if Mira had just said uh, he's trying to protect from us us from a big scary monster, or if uh, Aquaman goes uh, big octopus guy scary attack Earth, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that probably would have would have been able to solve a lot of the the episodes at least the first parts issues because that's yeah. you end up getting heroes fighting each other, which is always interesting. It's it's I mean welcome. We don't I don't think it's a trope that I feel justice league particularly relied on too much no. uh that interhero conflict so this this is interesting you also of course have the the dy dynamic of superman versus magic wonder woman also seems to be pretty helpless against magic but then you, you throw in hot girl who uh in theory wouldn't have much uh, be able to put up much more of a fight uh, then you're two, arguably your two strongest heroes in the league. But she, of course, has the magical nth metal mace, as we learn, uh, which draws power from the uh, the villain, the main baddie of the uh, of the episode, Ikthulu. Uh, Ikthulu. Ikthulu. I knew I was gonna butcher that. <laughs> Ikthulu. Uh, Just leg legally distinct enough to not get sued by the estate of H.P. Lovecraft. That's right. He just happens to look like Thulu and and mm -hmm. and shaped like him and be a you know magic monster. But we digress. Anyway, where did we leave off in the plot? I, I <laughs> kind of got got off got well, off around. There. And I'll take I'll take the blame for this. I think I forgot to mention the the writers and directors and such in this episode. We'll get to them as we get to their individual character uh, categories here, but. Uh, yeah, this these episodes were written by Dwayne McDuffie, and I think you can tell um, if you've if you've watched a lot of episodes of television that he's written. Um, it has that. There's a lot of there is a good bit of humor in it, um, just in like the interpersonal dialogue between Hawkgirl and Superman and and Wonder Woman. They they feel very familiar with each other, which makes sense because this is pretty late into the show's run by this point. So uh, it makes sense that they would be they would be much. They're they're a lot friendlier, but the the dialogue feels a lot more more personal. There. There's a lot of, you know, Hawk Girl's talking about how she's always the one to spring into action, and she plays bad cop, and and Superman kind of has some 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 funny dialogue about, uh, oh, you're always the bad cop, and it just it feels very much uh, like they're a, a good cohesive unit. But yeah, it is interesting that of the three characters that we have of our our regular seven members of the Justice League that we feature in this episode that. It really does become, along with Grundy, it becomes Hawkgirl's stories, especially by the start of part two, as we find out that her people, the Thanagarian people, had once worshipped this Ikthultu being, and basically that the 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 gifts, whatever he bestowed upon them with his magic powers. Culture. <laughs> yes, culture. She mentions agriculture, that that the Thanagarians Science, were this, you know, this sort of barbaric warrior race. I still don't see how your people could have fallen under the sway of a creature like Cthulhu. 
Thanagar was a harsh world in those days. Ikthultu gave us agriculture, mathematics, philosophy, the foundations of our entire culture. But something changed. You stopped believing in him. Yes. Modern Thanagarians bow down to no higher power. And that, that he sort of gave gave them a lot of uh, a lot of culture, um, and but that what he asked in return was was too high of a price. Um, so it, it does become this interesting episode all the way up to sort of the end as as Grundy ends up uh, sacrificing himself, uh, and Hawkgirl is kind of the one to comfort him, and it's it's sort of a strange moment for her because she sort of made it clear that. She doesn't believe, she doesn't really have any sort of faith, and that's sort of the other underlying theme of the episode is uh, Wonder Woman, uh, even Superman to an extent, Aquaman, all seem to have some sort of faith in a higher power. And this is like a very foreign concept to to Hawkgirl, to the point where I don't know that she even, she sort of even says that she doesn't even really believe in the concept of souls. Right. Um and it's really interesting to have her sort of have this sort of adventure that challenges her non-belief. Yep. Um, and and in a creative way. And, it, and again, it's a, it doesn't it doesn't come off as like a preachy like we're trying to shove religion at anybody type of episode, but it is, but it is that type of thing where it 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 sort of looks I think in in the grand scale of this epic superhero battle and there's giant monsters and all these colorful characters and it also t kind of takes a look at why do people, why do people have faith? Even if you don't believe in God, if you don't believe in a higher power, why do people find comfort in, in their belief? And it, you know, and that, that comes through in sort of the, the arc of Grundy in these episodes and even to a lesser extent with Wonder Woman is, and, uh, and of course Hawkgirl herself. So I thought they, they did a really interesting job of in the midst of all this big time epic superhero action also giving like, a little bit of an examination of like the human condition. And I think that's something that a lot of Dwayne McDuffie scripts often did. Yeah. It's interesting. Like you said, it's, she's having this uh, existential crisis that I don't think you realize, at least I didn't remember. So this is an episode that I did not watch a whole lot. I'm not going to lie. It was, mm -hmm. it was pretty refreshing going into it. Um, and there are different various elements, uh, homages as we'll get into talking about perhaps in visuals and later on in the episode, but there are a, a lot of things that this draws off of, uh, but being able to kind of work that subtle, and again, it's not preaching at people, it doesn't mock people that don't necessarily believe in in a deity or in a higher power or have their own personal religion, but it, it does in a way defend those that do because mm -hmm. a, a lot of times they're 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 certainly and we're not gonna i'm not gonna turn this into a preaching <laughs> session but there can be intolerance certainly on both sides whether it's you know intolerance for people that choose not to believe in a, in a higher power and god for whatever reason or for those that simply mock people or see people that do believe in those things as weak or needing something um, to, to comfort themselves in, mm -hmm. in life and in a, or are somehow less able to, to, to deal with life because of it. So the fact that it sort of has this transformation from her and her seeing at the end of Grundy's life here as he sacrifices himself, which was, again, it was a bold move to take this character that was, you know, pretty much the laughing stock of, of the super friends era mm -hmm. of Hanna-Barbera and maybe often seen as just a, you know, a, a, 
an evil incredible hulk clone or something like that um and making making him a very endearing character here to the point at the end where he sacrifices himself uh with the hopes that he would be redeemed because he's he needs he needs that redemption and he recognizes that he needs he wants his soul more than anything mm-hmm. and uh the little conversation that's had at the end between aquaman and hawk girl right at the grave site as they're burying grundy uh where aquaman just says simply you know sometimes faith isn't about understanding it's it's just about having it i tried to do this according to human customs you honor his memory he was happy at the end. I still don't understand why. It's faith, Hawk Girl. You're not supposed to understand it. You just have it. And that was a very, very general, like, kind way of, of, of sort of acknowledging that without spitting a specific religious belief at, at the listeners. So, very much appreciated there. Um, the plot, I think, is, I, to me, it's the tale of two episodes because the first half of the episode is a lot of fun and a lot of action that occurs, and it's fun because of the action that occurs between the fighting between the superheroes. That's right. that's great. Doctor, seeing Doctor Fate go up against, uh, go up against, you know, uh, Hawk Girl, and you get. Uh, lots of, of back and forth between Hawk Girl, Hawk Girl dropping little quips in in between. You get Wonder Woman uh, battling Grundy. You get uh, you get Aquaman battling Superman. It's 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 great. There's a lot of lot of fighting that happens there. Uh, even Inza gets in on the in the battle. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second part I think is more more of the where. You, the bad guy is identified and and it's more just kind of faceless nameless armies of different creatures that really don't these magical uh these magical prehistoric creatures that attempted to overtake atlantis at one point Mm -hmm. uh which ultimately caused atlantis to be the sunken city so we do get the origins of atlantis at least in the dcau and Mm -hmm. how that city went from being a surface city to an a uh a, a city beneath the surface and uh, so Poseidon using all of the magic at his ability to ban these creatures and to seal this portal that uh, I'm going to mess it up again. Ixultu. There you go. I nailed it. I even spelled it phonetically on my paper here. <laughs> uh, Ixultu uh, t- in order to banish him completely. But uh, yeah, so it, for them to come back and and, and th- that ends up being the majority of the, the second part is a lot of just fighting and punching and, and battling between these these creatures but it's sort of redeemed at the end with that that touching sacrificial moment and then uh, that conversation at the at the grave site at the end as they bury bury grundy yeah yeah i i definitely think so we can we can begin to get into our our scores here i really like this episode i think i agree that most of what i really enjoyed about it was in part two when they started doing started doing that sort of deeper uh explanation and i do think part one it suffers from again we we want to see the superheroes fight so sure. they have to not speak to each other of course and and that's on a lot of stuff that i love batman versus superman comes to mind yep 
Um, I'm sure, yeah, a lot of, any, anytime you set up, uh, the first Avengers movie, like there's a lot of times where we just want to have Iron Man punch Thor for a while. Right. So we come up with a reason for them to have a disagreement. Correct. Or, or not, ex or they intentionally don't speak to each other because then the fight wouldn't happen. Correct. So I, 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 I forgive that, but at the same time, I think that did bring my score down just a tad. And I, I settled on a nine out of 10 for plot because I do think... Uh, Grundy, the Grundy stuff is really great. And to your point about uh, not not sort of demonizing either side of it, it's very easy to do caricatures where the atheist is this godless, heartless monster, and the the religious person is an idiot or a hick or a fool and or a bigot or whatever. Like it's very easy to do for that. Sure. It's and sometimes it's used for comedy. I'm not saying there's no time to ever use those caricatures but it is it was refreshing to kind of have in this children's cartoon to have like an honest discussion between these larger than life characters about something as simple and important and inherent to who we are as human beings as faith or lack of faith for that right. matter so agreed. i uh, i loved that and a lot of that comes from the second part i think agreed yeah um i i went uh, i went just a tick lower i went eight out of ten uh, it's still very strong um mm -hmm. another one like i said just not one that i had seen very often so another surprisingly interesting episode and one that i think if you had asked me what the overarching theme was i i, I would have just thought that it was it was punching punching these monsters <laughs> uh but having you know such a touching touching moment and that underlying sort of existential conversation uh, between Hawkgirl uh, and she she has conversations with Wonder Woman where she asks her you know, you know do you really draw strength when you when you pray to your gods and she's like yes absolutely so seeing that that journey go through there uh, and then then end on the note that it did very 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 fun so uh, strong score from both of us on absolutely all right Liam let's move on to our next category which is going to be our visual and animation category uh, lots of fun to be had in this episode. Uh, I, I think, uh, the first thing that I'll, that I'll just notate is the opening scene that we get. I think we remarked right off the bat that, uh, it very much rang true to a incredible Hulk scene, perhaps, uh, even from the incredible Hulk cartoon, the short lived incredible Hulk Hulk cartoon from the mid to late nineties. Uh, which uh, is actually, I think, is is available for streaming on one of those services that we are not sponsored by. <laughs> <laughs> no free plugs for you. That's right. Uh, so if, if you if you're not sure, that's that, that was a fun little series. That I mean, yeah. it, fit, it fit into the into the Marvel animated universe. But anyway, uh, so very echo echoed that even if not the the Hulk cartoon, certainly a Hulk esque situation where the army is coming after him and he has smashing tanks together and there's a mustachioed general that mm -hmm. is facing off and leading the charge against him so uh me thinks it wasn't too much of a coincidence that that was <laughs> what they led with there but uh what uh what else stood out for you we have like as we said lots of superhero infighting and then part two just uh the creatures of creatures and lots of uh interesting little tidbits with those creatures as well yeah, absolutely. Um, that that's definitely what stands out to me from the from that first action sequence with the with Grundy versus the army to uh, uh, Aquaman appearing on what is referred to later as the Loch Ness monster. It's a big like sea serpent dragon type animal. Definitely looked more dragon than, uh, than Loch Ness. But... Yes, agreed. But uh, 
and uh, and then later on we see the we start to see these uh it's like it's like a dinosaur but it has an octopus body uh we see a few of them in in part one they're attacking like a cruise ship that the justice league that's kind of where they first come into contact um and then yeah we get we get some fun fights uh the superman versus grundy fight that happens in egypt uh fate sort of teleports all of them away or tries to and he's unable to teleport hawker away but he teleports Wonder Woman and Aquaman away to Easter Island, and he teleports uh, Superman and Grundy away to, to Egypt. And I thought they had a pretty fun fight, again, maybe, and uh, getting to see some more solo solo action in the, in this, where you just won one against one, as opposed to a lot of the group battles that we're used to. I think that also comes into play. This is maybe more of a plot note, but this is, a, this is the smallest Justice League roster we've had for a, for a two-part Justice League story. With just uh, with just the three of them in uh, in action, as far as our main Justice Leaguers go, so it's uh yeah I think I think that first part has a lot of fun in it. The the Aquaman and Wonder Woman fight I think is pretty fun, especially because Wonder Woman's kind of and it, they kind of make it so it makes sense where Wonder Woman's kind of holding her own very well and is even kind of got the upper hand, and then Aquaman is smart enough to take it to the water where he's kind of able to pun very much intended turn the tide. And, uh, <laughs> and then, uh, that does lead to maybe my favorite, my favorite single moment. It's both visual and plot, I guess, but where, uh, Aquaman returns with Wonder Woman and, and Superman returns with Grundy and they're kind of standing around and Superman again asks Aquaman to, uh, to explain himself and Aquaman instead leaps at him to attack and it just cuts to Superman. He sighs very deeply and then he just throws a punch and it, <laughs> You know, the, it cuts as his fist hits what would be the camera, and then it cuts to a shot of him pulling Grundy and Grundy by his collar and and dragging Aquaman by his hair, I guess, uh, to back towards where Fate and Hawk Girl have been fighting. So, yeah, I thought there's some really good visuals in that first part. Yeah, first part has a lot of infighting, and as we said, there's uh, as Fate uses his powers in the. As he's attempting to sort of continue this incantation, there's a lot of fighting that occurs in that scene. There is some CGI, actually, that's used. Actually, there's a lot of CGI that's used <laughs> in that first part. Uh, but I didn't think it was, as as being such a, a, a large, uh, uh, I, I have don't have an issue critiquing the, the CGI. Yeah. I'll, we'll just say that. I'll be the guy that stands up and says, I don't like this. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't as bad and noticeable in this because it wasn't, it was more static I think uh, static imagery rather than the 3D moving vehicles. Uh, I think the first time I noticed it was when uh, Dr. Fate first appears, the ank uh, that his logo appears and he comes out of it and there's some static that appears around that, some, I guess, supposed to be mystical elements that sort of shoot out from behind that. Um, And I thought that looked pretty neat. It was a nice little touch to it. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then almost, I think, exclusively, the backgrounds for the almost the entire battle between the heroes as this incantation is being summoned by uh, dr fate uh is sort of this static imagery on top of this moving spacey wild out there background uh that continues to shift so that i I don't i couldn't tell if that was directly cgi i think it probably was though because there was some movement in it it wasn't just static um so uh, I didn't have a, as much of a problem as I typically would uh, mm. would say that I do with the with the CGI. 
Um, additionally, I would say in the second part, I think that's where you, we ha ended up having a lot of fun, especially with those the the old ones as they're known as the creatures, uh, these mystical, magical old creatures. I think you already mentioned it. The the sort of octopus dinosaur <laughs> hybrid yeah. characters uh whom Hawkgirl actually battles initially in the first episode and then uh they sort of return we also get uh some some interesting additional creatures some fun just out there very uh i i thought they were pretty glenn mirakami uh uh homages in that second <laughs> episode with some of the way that the creatures moved and shaped and the points on them and some of their eyes uh there's actually a set of creatures who uh were a bit of an homage to a very famous uh if you're familiar with the santa's santa cruz screaming hands mm -hmm. uh that's a it's very popular and certainly in in the skateboarding world and the the west coast here in america california uh google santa cruz screaming hands and the image that comes up uh, i feel like there were a couple homages to that with these specific mm -hmm creatures that literally are have screaming hands <laughs> uh but uh those those i thought were neat lots of fun lots of punching and kicking even some very violent action here as aquaman begins to take on some of these old ones they did not have an issue showing these creatures being ripped apart lamp yeah he's just uh, uh aquaman uses his trident and yeah he's just tearing them in half with the with his magic trident and, and Superman and Wonder Woman are cutting food. There's one one of the creatures, like their its arms fall off and then the arms like burst and they have these like little stingers that they also walk on, and then you know they they have like these weird mouths on them that kind of looks like something out of Alien or something that shoots out like a another another stinger. There's some really weird weird creatures, um, obviously all based on the the like Cthulhu. Uh, world that hb lovecraft invented as we mentioned but not that for for legal reasons um but yes they do a uh, there's a lot of just insane creatures up up until the end where grundy punches his way inside of ikthultu's head because uh because by now he's found out that ikthultu co collects souls uh and so he's on the lookout for his own soul and he, he's fighting through creatures he gets like stung in the back by this strange sort of cephalopod another like octopus creature but that also has like a scorpion's tail mm -hmm. and then he he sort of comes to, to to face to face with this giant like uh venom salamander that's that also happens to look a lot like godzilla i thought and also gives... uh, like a killer whale there's mm -hmm. a killer whale in there it's godzilla because it breathes fire mm -hmm. <laughs> yes the roar was very godzilla like and yes this is this tremendous uh sort of final battle that grundy has with this this monster and and then as uh as hawk girl takes the mace and and smashes sort of the, the container of souls and there's this large explosion and and then right down to the the very uh very end there is she, both as she sort of comforts him and you see sort of the tears start well up in her eyes and and pour down her face as grundy dies and then that final scene we get we get some very nice and respectful hashtag cape movement as uh, as a superman and aquaman and and the rest are, are there at uh, at grundy's grave and as we mentioned we kind of get that final little bit and we pan down the last shot of the episode is in fact the gravestone which uh is our, our i think our first dcau reference to the nursery rhyme yeah that being that his gravestone of course says solomon grundy 
born on a Monday. That's right. It doesn't quite rhyme, but you, no. if, you say, if you say it with an accent, it does. Exactly. Yeah, that was very touching visual there. Then all of them at the gravesite. Uh, plenty of hashtag cave mo- cape movement to go yep. go around there, Liam. Uh, you even had Aquaman putting on his cape just for you. That's right. Uh, he wanted to show off and show out with that one. Uh, but uh, yeah, lots lots of, of great visuals in this. Uh, I think it's very strong, very fun. Uh, it's interesting that even with uh, Ixultu, mm-hmm. <laughs> gosh, why did they yeah. pick an easier name? Ixultu. Because uh, they didn't want to get sued. <laughs> that's right. Uh, with Ixultu here, uh, that they ended up going with a static painted image mm-hmm. of the creature uh, for the entirety of the episode, I believe. Uh, yeah. And so, but they animated his eyes, which I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but also lended very well to to the episode. I, I think I think I had some issues going all the way back to Secret Origins with the the Imperium, the Imperium, with the way the Imperium looked, and because uh, they they it was l- like not a painted image, but it was less static. I think even in uh, in Blackest Night, we had some issues with some static imagery that they used for like the judges panel. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one, because they actually animated the eyes a little bit, I think it actually worked pretty effectively. Mm-hmm. There was no mouth to move for, for him to, when he was talking, uh, and we'll get into the, the voice acting in just a second here, but you know, the, the, the voice performance certainly created enough to make this, this impending doom, uh, just scream out of this character. So I really liked the fact that they used the static imagery with the, the animated eye sockets. Yeah, that was a, yeah, that's a great point. They, um. They uh, they did a good job of layering that where it's not entirely relied on the either computer generated animation or or traditional animation and it, I think it does it also gives that character I think a much better scale where he just seems like this just massive un unbeatable foe which is what they're going for because he's meant to be sort of like this you know this squid devil god character so it, it makes sense that he would have this sort of massive scale and. Uh, the scene where he sort of tied up Hawk Girl and has brought her, her close, and they're they're speaking about sort of his his former uh, time as the as the god of the Thanagarians. Uh, I thought that has that has really nice scale to it, and, and feels very grand and epic as Grundy begins to like hop up the at the floating rocks to to get up to uh, to where Ixultu is is floating. But, yeah, there's some really uh, really tremendous visuals all around and. Just, just a lot of fun to be had between the first two parts. So for all those reasons, I ended up giving plot a perfect ten out of ten. I think you mean visuals and animation, not plot. But yes. Yep. Visuals and animation, ten out of ten. Episode was directed by Butch Lukic, by the way. I don't there, think I said that. There you go. Uh, yeah, I, I felt uh, based on the just the fun had in both episodes. Doctor Fate looks great. Uh, Grundy looks good. The animation very consistent across all, all of the boards. Um, I think. In that final scene where, or not the final scene, but the next to the last scene where uh, uh, Ixultu is is challenging Shaira and tells her that he knows who she is and doesn't believe, or believes that she still has faith in him. And, uh, or he has, he says he has faith in her, mm-hmm. uh, that she still believes in him. And she said she still believes she has faith in her. There's this really great face shot, or face uh lighting that they did this you can see the shine coming from whatever this membrane or whatever Mm -hmm. it is that she's going to go destroy coming off of it 
this front lighting that comes done really really well um visual and animation i don't know how you can watch this episode not appreciate it enjoy all those creatures <laughs> and not give it a perfect 10 out of 10 like we did there you go. all right liam moving on to our next category here that is going to be music uh dynamic music partners i believe i believe this one yeah this one uh, specifically was just uh lolita redmanis is credited for, for both parts so. there we go uh, let's talk about that today. I know. I know. As we were watching here, uh, you mentioned a couple couple of things. A, a, a neat, neat soundtrack uh, for this week's episode. Uh, what stood out for you? Yeah, there's a couple moments. One is right when Aquaman appears. We get kind of the return of the music from the enemy below, which I guess becomes the Aquaman theme uh, that we hear we hear in that episode. I, I thought that was a great, grand way to in, uh, introduce that character back into the show. Mm-hmm. Um, we get a lot of the Wonder Woman theme in this episode. We do. Uh, Lots welcomed. It's, yeah, it's very good. I, I love that theme. It it's, uh, plays both, uh, I think, in her initial appearance when, when she first calls on 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 Hera to give her strength to, to break out of the, uh, the tentacles of this the strange monster they're fighting and then uh quite a bit as well during her fight with aquaman it's kind of transitioning back and forth between depending on who has the upper hand in the fight in that moment uh, uh other than that i uh i noticed it's actually right near the end um there's they they bring in like this uh when, when sort of grundy is sacrificing himself you might expect like the grand like orchestra with horns and strings there's a lot of piano used, mm-hmm. and I actually won, and I don't know this, but that might also be another Hulk homage. Oh, could um, be, yes, that's and, good. Uh, and whether or not, whether intentional or not, I think it works as such. And at, and having that sort of more tragic theme playing, but playing very softly and not quite as, as grand and orchestral as we might normally hear it, I thought that really added to, to that moment there as, as, as he's sort of saying goodbye to, uh, to Hawk Girl. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. I think those were pretty much the same notes that I had there. Uh, I felt like there may have been a swing and a miss opportunity to use the Superman, Shirley Walker Superman theme mm-hmm. uh, as he comes in triumphantly uh, in his, making his entrance, initial entrance. Um, and then later on, uh, I, I feel like they could have snuck it in there. But uh, that's nitpicking, mm-hmm. which we tend to do here occasionally. With that said, I, I, I think the rest of the soundtrack is very strong. I think that the, the battle the battle uh, at the end between Cthulhu and, um, and uh, the Justice Leaguers and certainly his, him having that conversation with Shaira as she's sort of bound in front of him and he's trying to convince her and, and have this it's weird that he's his pride ultimately is his undoing as he tries to tries to convince her or figure out why she she and and perhaps the other thanagarians gave up on him as their mm-hmm. as their god to worship um so ultimately that gives grundy enough time to get in there but i, I thought the music during that was great i thought that the the music is not it's not anything outstanding or or I feel like that set itself apart for during the battle scenes, but it's still strong and adds great atmosphere, which is all we ask for generally with a lot of the, the music in those fight scenes, especially in the later episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I think music is very, very strong for this. Uh, I went with a, a very good eight out of 10. What about you? Aha, and I gave it, wouldn't you know it, the exact same score of eight out of 10. There we go. 
All right, Liam, moving on to our final category of the day. That is going to be our voice acting. Uh, we will talk about our cast of characters from today's episode, including a, uh, a surprise one, one that you <laughs> might not uh, expect to be, although he is a he, he has done, done acting of his own. Uh, but uh, let's talk about this week's voice casting. Yeah, I'll start with uh, what I feel is the most important here, as I think you're alluding to, is uh, playing the, the commander, the the stand-in for the the Marvel character General Ross, by all by all uh, intents and purposes, he's a, an older army man with a with a big gray mustache. But uh, playing him is a uh, William Hootkins, who would probably best be known, uh, at least to us, as uh, Red Six in Star Wars: New New Hope. Better known, perhaps, as Porkins. That's right, Jack Porkins. That's right. Uh, the, they he is slightly overweight and so they named him Porkins <laughs> and he dies that's that's his character arc in Star Wars I'm sure there's lots of comics and novels about him but uh, as far as on screen but uh, was also uh, one of the other police detectives in the 1989 Batman film and uh, has done uh, quite a bit of other acting work as well so it's just one of those he only has a few lines in in part one but just when I saw that, and I saw that his his number one credit on uh, on IMDb was uh, was playing Porkins, I had to, I knew I had to to work that in. That was uh, <laughs> even if he wasn't that important of a character, quite memorable. But uh, definitely had to mention that. Uh, speaking of which, we've talked about her uh, recently. Uh, Jennifer Hale uh, playing Inza in this episode, Doctor Fate's wife. She doesn't have much to do in the story, so uh, but she does a she does a fine job. But uh, another DCAU veteran there. Um, and then we, we get into sort of our, our main guest stars of the episode. Of course, we have, uh, replacing the uh, the previous voice actor from Superman, we have Oded Fair, and I apologize if I'm butchering that pronunciation. I think that sounds right. Uh, but uh, folks might know him from The Mummy and The Mummy sequel with uh, with Brendan Fraser from the, uh, from the late 90s and early 2000s. Mm -hmm. But uh, he's playing Dr. Fate here. Uh, and an important note to make, Cal, after Dr. Fate's first appearance uh, earlier in the month, uh, we can understand what he says. I warn you both again. Once the spell has begun, I cannot stop. And the pain will be unbearable. You've told us before. Get on with it. Stupid magician. Grundy not care about pain. Grundy wants his reward. Very well. The elements are gathered in a place of power. A wizard of great knowledge. The trident, Poseidon, and the forbearance of a dead man. Bobby Omeskil and Firesvin, the walls between the worlds have been torn asunder. Arshlein and Isawelebaskavan, I order them now sealed power of the titans which resides in their trident by the power of the lords of order which resides in everything by the power of fate which resides in the helmet of naboo banish the old ones and seal the breach so fate demands so fate demands so fate demands 
That's <laughs> revolutionary. Imagine this. Not only that, but and we talked about it a few weeks back, which you can hear our review of that in the archives at dcaureview.com if you want to listen to uh, the Hand of Fate review or on your favorite podcast app wherever you listen to us. Uh, but check that out if you hadn't. But our biggest complaint about that uh, character, other than the fact that perhaps... Uh, perhaps intentionally, perhaps not. The performance was pretty emotionless, but that they included the sound design team included just the most overbearing echo uh, for both the his his uh, his voice and the uh, the villain Carcol in the episode uh, both had this terrible echo. Well, they kept the echo, but I feel like this uh, this performance and this version of Dr. Fate is much more emotionally connected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's still sort of this stoic character for some of it, but when, say, the Justice League shows up to interrupt his, his incantation on Grundy in part one, he's able to express sort of the danger that's in place with them not, not, uh, not finishing this spell and and uh, yeah, you know, sort of this very dramatic uh, goes into one of the act breaks in part in uh, in part one of him uh, doing this loud spell and he's calling out to the lords of order and saying all this sort of and he starts talking in another language. I'm not sure if it was Latin or, or what, but he's doing this dramatic spell and this you know the the visuals are swelling and he's energy going everywhere and the wind picks up and. And Aquaman's firing his trident and all this stuff, and he's giving this really over the top, like, like uh, you know, and uh, performance in in the vocal as he sort of reads out this spell, and it's it's very good because that's kind of what you want in that moment from that character. So I think he does a a very good job at, as Doctor Fate. Uh, yeah, he's really strong, and I think we had even mentioned it uh, when we reviewed that episode a few weeks ago that the. This is the performance I prefer, even mm-hmm. though, again, it is not as if he has to show much more emotion. However, right. you, it is a more stoic, you kind of see him as this very wise figure, I guess. Uh, a powerful, wise figure that is maybe just a little bit emotionally detached, but not not without emotion at all, like we I felt like we experienced <laughs> in, the, in the episode a few weeks back. Absolutely. And uh, other than that, we have... Briefly, we have Kristen Bauer returning as Mira, and then we have sort of our, our other big guest stars of the episode. We have Scott Rummel returning as Aquaman, and he has such a specific tone to everything he says. Everything has the same cadence. Right. And like I and normally I think I would say that's a detriment, but because this version of Aquaman is meant to be this sort of I don't know if it's fair to say one note character, but everything is he's He's the king, right? He's right. the king of the sea. So he's very, everything is very serious and everything is very, he has a certain cadence when he speaks that he I think He even slips kind in of, a, I have spoken yes. years before the Mandalorian <laughs> existed. That's uh, right. He slips in a, I have spoken as a way to end right. a conversation. And there's also a, a Terminator homage as he, as he tells Grundy to come with him if he wants to live at the at the beginning there but yeah i think it works i think especially when he's playing off of susan eisenberg as wonder woman and and uh and george newbern as superman in in part one and then again as we mentioned that that final conversation that he uh that he has with with hawk girl and and then really the two stars of the show though this week are we have mark hamill playing solomon grundy um, who I'm assuming they just used him at the time because the Joker was also in that episode uh, in Injustice for All, 
And so they needed one of the other people they had already cast to do Grundy's voice and just thought it would be funny to have, uh, to have Mark Hamill do it. But he does a, he does a great job and there's like a little bit of an effect on his voice, but it's mostly just him speaking in a very like raspy kind of dumb guy voice. And I, I think it really works, especially in, as we get into part two is, as he sort of becomes motivated to reclaim his soul, I think, I think uh, Mark Hamill's performance—it's—it's it's really quite moving. Grundy knows how he can crush lots of screaming men. that that final scene we're going to keep talking about it but the scene as he as he passes away or the next to last scene where he passes away uh to be able to execute uh that voice the style of voice also as he's speaking in this very broken you know non-correct version of english and definitely not the king's english Mm-hmm. and uh but to invoke emotion and to be able to invoke like it was it's great it's a great performance from him shocking what what <laughs> here's here we are talking about a mark hamill performance as being great let's 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 all let's all count how many times this has happened before color me shocked bird nose i'm here Grundy thinks he is going away now. No, just hang on. Do you think Grundy's soul is waiting for him? Grundy, I don't believe... Yes. It's waiting for you. Then Grundy gets his reward. It's more of one of the best the greatest dcau voice actors if not the greatest dcau voice actor in history showing his continued range of being able to be another character and and i appreciate the fact that i think they like you said they put a slight effect on it maybe deepened it slightly to give it that sort of monster effect to his voice Mm -hmm. so that it doesn't feel like it's the joker it doesn't it's it's almost surprising to look at the the credits and see mark hamill credited as the mm-hmm. voice of Solomon Grundy, but it's it's really good. It's really strong, and he, and he plays off of Hawkgirl so well. I think in that last scene, absolutely, and and that gets to our, our final main player there, which of course is uh, Maria Canales as uh, as Hawkgirl, and uh, I think we've been up and down on her. I think especially in season one, and you know whether that's you know on on the vocal performances or whether that's more on just what was asked of her in the episodes. You know, there's always that 
that possibility as well. But uh, I know there's some of those season one episodes where she's kind of where we felt maybe she she left a little bit to be desired with her performance. And that is, I think, especially as we got deeper into season two episodes, we sort of saw her some of her best moments. But I really think to what we've covered, this is like right up there with with a star crossed as far as maybe Maria Canales' best uh, performance in, in the whole series. No, she's great. She's great on this episode. Um, and I, I think the performance that she ends up giving throughout, again, she she has she has a lot of fun banter back and forth with Dr. Fate in that first part. Lots of quips talking about how she's going to see how that bell on his head <laughs> sounds when yeah. she rings it. Um, you know, there's, she even slips in a, uh, a hot girl smash line later on. Yes. Kind of completing all of the, uh, the incredible Hulk references for this week's episode. Uh, but she, she has a, a wide array of emotion, uh, which is not something that you can always say, uh, about hot girl episodes. Obviously the character itself, uh, also one who tends to be devoid of emotion or if that emotion uh, is shown it tends to be anger or frustration or just like animal instinct of just trying to tear people apart right so for her to have to show a little bit more range in this this week's episode certainly that very touching uh, final scene final two scenes both with Grundy passing away and then her trying to come to terms with this idea of souls and um you know and deities in that in that final scene with aquaman really really good she she turns in i i think i think this may even surpass that excellent performance that she does in starcross but maybe it's just one in one a i guess yeah no and it's a different type a lot of her her i think her emotion comes from one the sort of betrayal of her friends in starcross but also the romantic relationship she has with with john stewart and and not again, not that those aren't great, but it is interesting to see her in this very far and like we said, grappling with her own faith or lack thereof, and then sort of developing this bond with Grundy throughout the episodes, and then seeing that severed, and then sort of being, as you said, sort of almost confused by how he could be so at peace and so happy at the end when he's when he's dying. Um, she she does such a great job in this episode and it's it's so emotional that that final scene is as or the next to final scene is she's you know there she sort of takes Grundy's hand as he's as he begins to uh to uh pass away and he's asking you know asking if he if if she thinks his soul will be waiting for him on the other side and and she even begins to kind of again dismiss it and then stops and and sort of chooses to comfort him instead as as she tears up <laughs> yeah she tears up i teared up <laughs> like i was saying it was getting a little dusty in here yeah, for me too yeah <laughs> it's uh it's just it's so tremendous and it's a real testament to to both her and and mark hamill as actors that they were able to, to pull that off and again in while still maintaining this is an adventure superhero show for kids like to be able to still have that emotional core of the episode and have tremendous acting it's a it's a credit to both of them as well as of course uh, Andrea Romano as the as the voice director. So yeah, for all those reasons and really based on on their those two's performances alone, I really felt like I had no choice but to give this a ten out of ten for voice acting. Wow, yeah, uh, I'm right there with you. I also gave it a perfect 
10 out of 10. Nice. Um, yeah, it's it's undeniably just a great performance by some of the people, like you said, that we've we've tended to be a little bit more harsh on uh, or or had, you know, maybe have not seen some of their or reviewed some of their strongest performances. Um, I, I think George Newbern in, in a supporting role is is pretty strong in this week's episode mm-hmm. as well. Um, you know, as we already talked about, Susan Eisenberg, even her interactions uh with hawk girl are are pretty strong also but mm-hmm. yeah i think you're you're we definitely highlighted the two outstanding performances with hawk girl and, and solomon grundy they're just really really strong so uh great job also kudos of course to the brilliant uh and andrea romano who uh you know is the the unsung hero a lot of times we we do our best to highlight her whenever possible but absolutely uh, her voice direction for this episode through the wide array of uh, of different things and uh of course uh you know how could we forget rob zombie that's right <laughs> rob zombie uh, is the uh is the voice of ikthultu we'd be last uh, but not least yeah last but not least uh he he turns into a performance again somebody that's done some acting uh mm-hmm. certainly has uh, directed and starred in his own horror films nothing that i've ever seen so i couldn't tell you whether right. or not he's uh he's any good or not but i know his movies have a bit of a cult following and uh he's certainly a musician mm-hmm. uh he's he's so he's he's a man of many facets an artiste if you will yeah and uh he's he's a little bit out there and he does his own <laughs> own thing uh but uh i thought his performance this week also was was really really strong I, they do put a little bit of effect on his voice as well mm-hmm. but it sounded almost like that it was a slight it's almost like a layering of his voice mm-hmm. Uh, his normal voice layered on top of an effect, which I thought worked very, very well, rather than just having a straight-up effect on the voice overall. Speak to me, child of Thanagar. Nothing to say. I've got a gesture for you, but my hands are tied. How I've missed your people's spirit. We don't miss you. We outgrew you. Thousands of years ago. I gave your people everything. Why did you forsake me? Forsake? We threw you out. The price for your favors was too high. My tribute was equitable. I earned your faith. Really? What's a fair price for the souls of my ancestors? Snake face steals souls. Give Grundy back his soul, Snake Face, or Grundy crush. You hear, Grundy? Give it back! Yeah, and I think his, his, his tone is very almost sort of dismissive of, of these mere mortals trying to defeat him and and when he's when he's sort of talking to to hawk girl about you know why did your people forsake me and and she sort of throws it back at him that the the price was too high for what you were giving us and it wasn't worth it and then as you mentioned that line very much right there at the end when when he when he's telling when he's still sort of dismissive of the fact that this could possibly be the end of him and he's telling her no i still have faith in you and 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 the way that uh, again that maria canales kind of turns that back on him and uses that as sort of a triumphant moment for her character yeah yeah he does a he does a tremendous job as being being just just this massive force that's unleashing all of these insane monsters and and uh and everything on on the world and on the justice league so yeah he yeah he does a, a fantastic job as well yeah, agreed. Uh, I guess that's probably why we ended up get both giving it a perfect score for voice acting. Yeah. All right, Wayne. Well, that will bring us to our final. Oh, oh. hello, uh, hello, our our old friend. Bonus point sounds. It's been a few weeks since we last heard you. 
that means that uh, one of us has a bonus point to add to this episode, and it is not mine. So, Liam, I will throw it over to you to introduce your bonus point for this week. That's right. So, this bonus point, we've already touched on a lot of the Hulk parallels that Grundy takes in this episode, but uh, the f- the foursome that they, they put together uh, outside of the Justice League here of Dr. Fate... Grundy, Inza, and Aquaman is itself a pretty, uh, a pretty nice uh, Marvel comics reference, specifically to one of the versions of the team, the Defenders, uh-huh. not the boring one from Netflix, a cool one, uh, <laughs> where we have uh, Aquaman. Yeah, that's right. Take that iron fist. Um, <laughs> Aquaman sort of in the stand, uh, standing in for Namor, Doctor Fate, perhaps quite obviously standing in for. Uh, for Doctor Strange, we have uh, Inza sort of in the place of Clea, which was another sort of one of those uh, Stanley, Steve Ditko, Doctor Strange mystical characters. And then quite obviously, as you mentioned from the first moments of the episode, they really wanted to hammer home that uh, that Solomon Grundy as Hulk uh, stand-in uh, and comparisons all the way through to, as you mentioned, the Hawk Girl smash line right at the end there. Uh-huh. Was a really nice little kind of cherry on top to all of our... Uh, all of our Marvel references that we got, but I just thought there's a, there's some real, yeah, that was really cool that not only did they do the more overt ones, but just like putting these characters together at all involving Aquaman in the story where maybe it could have just been Dr. Fate, but having that sort of in and of itself be in another sort of sly uh, Marvel comics reference. I thought, I thought that was pretty cool. And obviously Dwayne McDuffie was the guy who wrote for, both Marvel and, and DC, as well as, of course, starting his own imprint with uh, with Dennis Cowan and others at Milestone. So some some love being shown to uh, to the to the competition, if you will, despite uh, despite this being a DC show. So I, I thought that was worth uh, an extra point, an extra uh, shout out in our bonus section here. Love that. Love uh, love homages and winks and nods, of course, across different universes. So. Uh, Liam, I guess that will bring us to our total scores for this week, totaling everything up on my end here. I come up with a very strong 36 out of 40 for this week. What about you? And I am just a little bit higher, which will actually put this into our top pick section as it turns out. My final score, including the bonus point, puts me at 38 out of 40. Wow. Uh, well, that's awesome. We've had back-to-back weeks of being in the top picks. This one, the scores were a little bit closer than last <laughs> week's, but uh, we digress here. I guess, Liam, that will lead us to talking about rewatchability for this week's episode. So I think the argument to be made here, because this episode does get a follow-up, mm-hmm. spoiler alert, uh, Grundy does return in an episode that we may or may not be covering later this month. Uh, but uh, this also, I believe, I, I feel like it furthers the character or humanizes the character, gives you a little bit more background mm-hmm. on Hawkgirl. Obviously, we already know how it turns out. Uh, you know, we've already, even already reviewed Starcrossed uh, on, on this platform. You can check that out in the archives at DCAUreview.com if you're interested. But this kind of does give you a little bit more backstory, kind of mm-hmm. give you a little bit more about who Hawkgirl is. Uh, but... That being said, it's we don't get the return. You know, Ichthul two doesn't return, so thankfully I don't have to. You know, <laughs> uh, stumble over his name fifty more times. Um, Doctor Fate does return. Uh, wh- how do you feel about this? Yeah, I would I would give it a, a a solid thumbs up for for rewatchability because this episode has such a direct sequel, which you know not only 
brings up all all of the main characters from this episode return in that episode to deal with the resurrected Grundy, but it also deals with Hawkgirl's reintroduction to the series and her returning to the Justice League, spoiler alert. So uh, that that's a big-time episode, and almost all of it is driven by what happens in this episode. So I, I definitely think this is one you got to watch. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I don't think I can disagree with that, especially based on the story itself. Uh, you know, if, you, if you're sitting down to watch a Justice League episode, and if you're trying to think outside the box with episodes that maybe you don't remember being as good as they mm-hmm. were, this is one that I can attest to and say, yeah, uh, I'll testify to say that this one had no recollection of this being so great, and it, uh, it far and away exceeded my expectations. So. Definitely. Uh, definitely worth a watch there. Definitely a thumbs up. Is it important to the overall DCAU? Yes, I'd say I think the argument can be made yes because that follow-up episode uh, and and the developments of of the Hawk Girl character and and certainly the return of Solomon Grundy later on. So uh, I'd say we both give this a, a it, yeah. It's on the rewatchability. One hundred percent. Okay, perfect. All right, Liam. Well, that will begin to wrap things up for this week's episode. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Don't forget, if you are listening on one of the podcast apps that lets you give a review, such as Apple Podcasts, do us a favor. Leave a five-star review and detail what it is that you love about us. That helps the algorithm that gets more people listening to the program, which is our goal here. We just want people to listen to us. We just want people to like us. Exactly. Uh, Speaking of liking us, uh, if you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to us on one of those podcast apps and make sure you get episodes delivered to you every Saturday. Uh, You can also check us out at dcaureview.com for the entire uh, archives and check out our top pick section, find out the other episodes that we have loved. Uh, There's even a worst episodes uh, section as well there. You can figure out which ones we didn't care for so much. Uh, If you're looking to support the podcast, you can do one of two things. You can either head over to DCAUReview.com, click on the shop tab, pick yourself up a shirt or a hat, maybe a sweatshirt, a sticker, something to support the pod. Uh, We would greatly appreciate that. If you cannot support us financially, that's completely understandable. We get it. Uh, Life is hard and money is tight. (laughs) So if you want to support us in another way, you can do so that is absolutely free. And that is heading over to YouTube and subscribing to the pod tower youtube channel so not only do you find our podcast there weekly uh in video form it's not us talking but it's the audio on video so if you listen to podcasts on youtube uh, you can also listen to it there but you'll also find content from our good friends over at tim talk their entire podcast library is up there as well so you can check out them they review dcau cartoons as well and then uh, you can also get content from the Watchtower database. Their live streams are archived there as well as, as well as a few other things from them. Uh, we're all one big happy family hanging out there in the pod tower. So uh, do us a favor. You want to support us, go over, subscribe to that YouTube channel. And uh, Liam, I guess that will bring us to the time where we preview next week's episode. And that will be... Yeah, well... We've kind of already danced around it, and in fact, we will be heading back a little bit forward in time into the JLU episodes once again with the direct sequel to this very episode, which of course is entitled Wake the Dead. 
That's right. Excited to follow up so quickly on this episode. Uh, be interested to see how it measures up in a 22-minute form instead of a 44-minute uh, episode. That's right. Uh, until then, I'm Cal. And I'm Liam. We will talk to you on the next episode of the DCAU. Bye-bye.